She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. Happy Friday. I hope you all had a really good weekend Um, and I hope that everyone listening to this is coming to the Self Love Summit this Sunday. Starts at 9.30, there is still time to get your ticket. I've dropped the link in the show notes or you can come and get a ticket on the website www.jill-ritchie.com We have so much self-love juice for you guys. Um, I'm going to be leading a guided meditation, a soul connection meditation, really taking you into the heart and soul space. Lynette Gray is going to be doing a movement session, getting you to an ecstatic state. Um, I have Sarah Gregg, who's a psychologist and author, going to get you into a state of flow and show you how you can connect to flow. And I also have Natalie Smith showing you how to heal your ancestral line. And then we're going to top it off with an incredible sound bath by the one and only Cherub Sanson, who is coming all the way back from Ibiza just for this. And it's an online event, which means that everyone can come. And even if you can't make it live, the call will be recorded. So I can send you out the recording so you can still purchase your ticket, carve out time maybe the next day and get all the juice and all the self-love that you need to get you into that beautiful state of self-love, connection, self-trust and really honoring yourself for where you're at right now. So yeah, get your ticket, £39. It's showing us 49 on the website, but you just need to put in the code SELFLOVE in capital letters with the number 10 and you'll get it for 39 So come along. I want to see all your faces there on Sunday, guys. So let me talk about today's guest. Oh my goodness. We are really coming towards the end of season five and what a season it's been. Um, I've had some epic guests on and today's guest is no exception. I listened to this podcast episode back and I was like, oh, wow, wow, wow. There is so much amazing content and advice and support in this episode that I know... (sighs) Honestly, thousands, millions of you, women in particular, really need to hear. And even if you're a guy listening to this, it's so, so important that you tune into this and understand what we as women really feel um, around intimacy and relationships and, you know, and how we can actually heal from that. So today's guest is the very incredible sex, pleasure, and intimacy expert, Erica Osborne. Erica and I are talking about intimacy and sex for women over a certain age, the more mature women, right? And how do we get our sexual desire back when it's maybe gone? How can you reconnect with your partner and create more intimacy when you feel that the spark is gone? How can you communicate your truth more with your partner? And how can you start to cultivate safety again around intimacy and your relationship? This is an epic conversation. Um, Erica also has a course that is starting within the next week or so, and it's called Pleasure Treats. And Pleasure Treats is a self-pleasure course designed to give you empowerment, encouragement, and guidance so that you can improve and grow sexually. And the beauty of this is this course has 12 practices, six modules, and it only costs 99 euros. I'm dropping the link in the show notes, guys. So if you want to inquire about this or get your ticket, if you feel like you're struggling and anything that we are talking about in this episode is really piquing your interest, then do something about it. Like take the action. It's the action that creates the change, okay? Listening is one thing, but we need to take action off the back of it to change the trajectory of our lives. So all the links are dropped, including the link for your ticket for the Self Love Summit this Sunday. So without any further ado, let's go into this episode. Have an amazing weekend, guys. She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie. Okay, welcome to She Loves Herself, the podcast, Erica. I'm so happy to have you here. 
I'm happy to be here. Hi. Oh, that was exciting. <laughs> God, you guys, I'm so happy Erica's here because I've followed Erica for a, a good, oh, actually, since I think since January, I started following you and I'm a bit obsessed, actually. I'm on your email list as well. And I'll be honest, guys, I don't read a lot of, I join these email lists and I never really read a lot of them, but yours I always read. Um, I always read yours. Yay! (laughs) I say it's the best newsletter on the planet and I need it. (laughs) Well, well, I know everyone, you need to be joining this. And I think because it is, um, for me, I, I, I... I think for for so many people, yours is really relatable as well. And there's so much there's so much juice and content in there that you can just grab. And it's it's not like screeds and screeds. You're not there for like thirty minutes reading it. But there's just parts that you can just take away, which I really love. So thank you. Keep keep sending those you know newsletters out. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's good to hear that. I'm so happy to hear that. So Erica, I invited you on this podcast because in obviously we are recording season five now, guys, but in season four, I really focused a lot on intimacy, sex, relationships. And this is because it's something that I really struggled with. And I think we always end up teaching. Um, well, certainly I do things that I have been through in my life and I seem to attract those people. And what I've had is a lot of people reaching out to me talking about it. And so I invited you to come on. And there were so many things that we could have talked about. But in this episode, we're going to really focus on sex, intimacy, connection to women. Um, we we're talking a little bit about youth and um how we, we get to an age, we, well, I know for, for sure, so many people reach out to me around my age and say, like, I don't feel as sexy. Um, I don't feel as connected um, to myself, to my partner. And um, I feel like I've lost that connection to myself. And so I wanted just to really dive into that with you, Erica, and get some of your wisdom on this episode. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm. This is one of my favorite, all-time favorite topics, Um, sexuality and aging or sexuality, uh, mature women's sexuality. Like, yeah, there is just so much to, uh, so much uh, good work to do here. Um, So much uh, inspiration to share with um, women and couples. I mean, regardless of gender, everyone needs to hear this. Um, but if if you're listening uh, and you're a woman and you're 35, 40, 45, 50 plus, 60 plus, you know, whatever, um, uh, then um, I have good stuff to share with you and oh, so much inspiration for you. Uh, I love yes. this. I love this. Let's kind of just start then. Where, why do you think women tend to almost feel like, I mean, we know we've never lost it, right? When we really connect to the self, we know we're never lost, but so many women say, I feel like I've lost that connection to myself, to my partner. I don't feel, you know, that sexual arousal as much anymore. I don't feel that spark, that connection. Why do you think that is, Erica? Well, it's, it's a very um it's a very complex thing. Mm. First of all, sexuality doesn't happen in a vac- vacuum, right? It's your 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 human experience is deeply interconnected and uh, and and you cannot separate out sexuality from your human experience and your humanity. In fact, I would say Sexuality is a core human experience. It's a core thing in your life. And so since it's such an um, integrated and uh, interconnected experience with all areas of you, uh, it's also impacted by other areas of your life. So if you know, you're exhausted or you're not resting or you're lacking intimacy and openness and connection in your partnership, uh, if you're lacking that with and within yourself, um, if you don't feel worthy of pleasure mm-hmm. because you are completely addicted to hustle culture and yeah. the industrial way, like the industri- how we have been indoctrinated into this 
pro- production, um, performance, perfectionism kind of life um, that is very much connected to you know Western living uh, and uh, the the standards of life that we have developed after we moved through industrialization here in the West, where external validation and external measurements for quality of life has completely Mm -hmm. overtaken uh, internal more like internal experiences and community and rest and just Mm -hmm. the the simple act of being right being alive like when the Mm -hmm. fuck did you last do that (laughs) just sat uh and felt the aliveness of being alive like let's do it now just take, Uh take a moment and just notice that you are alive and you don't have to do anything you literally do not have to do anything to be mm-hmm. worthy of being alive or to feel good. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing, isn't it? So many of us believe the opposite of that, that we have to prove ourselves, that we have to work harder, do more. And all the while, resting almost feels like, oh, I'm being lazy if I rest or... I'm missing something or I'm going to be judged if I rest. There's just so much of that doing. And we hear a lot about being in the being state. Um, But as you said, I I think it is that, you know, conditioning of why we don't believe that we should. Do you believe that has a a real impact on your sexuality then and being connected to that sexual layer? 100% because you could you could just swap the word if I'm being sexual I'm lazy I'm lazy if I'm spending time prioritizing pleasure um I'm I'm you know if you're not trying to have a baby it's unproductive time spent Mm -hmm. being sexual I feel guilty when I spend time being sexual with myself and then add religious shaming and all the other bullshit societal conditioning. And you have a whole other massive either threshold or even wall, Mm. no pun intended, but like unpenetrable wall. Like you cannot get through that blockage, that resistance. Right. And so it's not that you have lost anything because you are innately sexual and from like in utero, under the, until you you take your last breath, you are innately sexual because humans are innately sexual. It's part of our beingness, right? And then there are different levels and expressions, and sexuality exp- um, exists on a spectrum. Relation relationship orientation is on a spectrum. Sexual orientation is on a spectrum. Uh, eroticism is on a spectrum and it changes. It's fluid throughout your life, but it is a constant. Mm. It's a constant fact that you are sexual. And wow. so just let that sink in for a moment. And if you feel like it's gone or lost, just know that it's not. It's it's dormant or it's in a deep coma, but it's mm-hmm. not dead. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Oh, I love that. I don't I I love it, but I can really like it's dormant and it's in a coma. And I think like yeah. there's so many people that will relate to that. Yeah. Especially, and obviously, God, we could dive into so many, like going down so many directions with this, but I want to try and keep it if I can to 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 topic. Ah. But I see this a lot with women, particularly when you talked about it's never lost, but it feels dormant. Um, or in a coma, particularly people that are in long-term relationships that have been with their partner, they've maybe got children, they've been with them for 5, 10, 15, whatever many years, and they feel like, and I was going to say, they feel like there's little or no intimacy with their partner. And that that seems to be quite a common thing, but no one talks about it. Again, going to your word around shame. There is such shame, this word around it, that people just feel like they don't ever talk about it. Like, but it's the most, it's one of the most important things, right? In a relationship, yeah. surely to have that intimacy and that connection, yet so many don't and never speak about it. Yeah. One of the most 
innately human experiences on this planet. Like we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for sex. Like people have been having sex. Mammals. We were mammals, remember? Mm. (laughs) We're actually, (laughs) we're not some separate thing, right? Uh We're not aliens. We're mammals. And mammals have been having intercourse since the dawn of time. And that's why we're here. Everyone does it or wants to do it. Um, but no one talks about it. I remember uh, a long, uh, many years ago, and I wish I could remember the name of this researcher and the, uh, and the speaker. It was a TED talk, and she'd been studying um, sexuality in the Middle East. And she said, and I think this sums up it so beautifully all over the world, not just in the Middle East, but when it comes to uh, like culture, she said, everybody talks about football, but nobody plays football. <laughs> Mm. everybody had sex nobody talks about it yeah like how interesting like we can talk about something that is so relevant really like really (laughs) football or whatever it is like the weather it Uh really does not really impact our lives that much but we can talk about that but sex no we don't Mm. talk about it and it has been changing so I started, um, I I come from a nursing background and then I um, realized that I wanted to work in the sexuality realm. And just to tie back to what you said at the beginning, um, it was my own sexual issues and blockages uh, and dissatisfaction that led me down this path. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this beautiful saying, all all research is me-search, uh, which mm. I find so beautiful because it really was. It was me-search that led me into this work. And I was like, wow, if I can become orgasmic and have amazing sex, and I thought it was not available to me, um, and it w- hadn't been available to me in my, in my first 13 years of being sexually active. Um, but if I can change, so can you. And I wanted this work to not be a secret uh, and I wanted to start talking about it. And so mm. I believe there's been a, a pretty big cultural societal shift since when I first started studying and, and uh, researching and learning about this stuff about 10 years ago. But there is still so, so, so much work that needs to be done yeah. in this realm and and I think you know if we talk about it on a like uh, on a societal level hopefully or in, a, in the in the cultural like space the open spaces mainstream culture hopefully can little by little sink in to mm. couples and the private spaces and and normalize that sex is actually natural or human whatever word natural is a pretty loaded word um, yeah. but it's human mm-hmm. um it's common mm-hmm. it's beautiful it's sacred whatever words you want to use and and actually normalize talking about the things that truly matter but but that's it's the same for everything we we don't talk about sexuality we don't talk about um, intimacy that much we don't talk about death we don't talk about we don't really talk about the things that really do yeah. matter uh, mm-hmm. and we talk about all the all the bullshit that doesn't what this famous person does and what she wore and what he said and what she said and (laughs) who you know we can talk about who fucks who (laughs) yeah right but we don't really talk about the vulnerable stuff and it's because it's truly vulnerable right yeah it it truly Mm. means something to us Mm. and yeah for sure Mm yeah definitely and that the for me, it's the most vulnerable part of me was going into that space and asking for what I wanted. I felt so uncomfortable and unsafe to ask for what I wanted and, and to, to speak up. I felt like I was shrinking. And, you know, this part obviously tries to protect us. This this part of us wants to, to keep us safe. It senses danger, even though there's no danger there it's like oh you're you're under threat you're under threat and I, 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 it was probably the most and still is the, the most difficult part for me to sort of unpick you know I'm 42 and you know I've got two children and I've been with my partner for 14 years now um but it's still the part Erica that you know everything else I'm super confident and comfortable with but when I go to that part it's always the most challenging part and I'm I'm learning more and more and it always comes down to having that conversation that willingness to have that open 
conversation and communication, which scares so many of us. I think it is it, it's it feels so scary for people to actually say what they really want because a lot of the time they don't know. We don't really know what we want because we haven't given ourselves that chance to figure out what we want. And you you said mammals, right? <clears throat> and it reminded me of a conversation my sister and I had a few years ago. And she was saying to me, do you think that that maybe people aren't supposed to be with the same partner for the rest of their life? And that's maybe a big issue because obviously the monogamy, great. But, but also when you said mammals, it reminded me of her saying that, you know, we are mammals, we're primal, but actually we almost deny ourselves that. So if, if you're maybe attracted to someone else or you have these fantasies, but you think I shouldn't have that because I'm supposed to be a good you know, Christian girl or whatever that is, I'm supposed to have the one partner and stay with them because that makes me a good wife or a good mom. And so if you have these fantasies, it's like, I'm wrong, I'm bad. So you deny yourself these things. And, you know, we're hearing so much more about so many open relationships, polyamory, all of that. But I think in society, there's still so much fear about allowing yourself to open your own self up to the possibility that that might be a path for you. Yeah. So to tie back to what you said, like why why is it so that so many people experience this loss of libido and arousal and sexuality and internal external attraction in long term relationships and um, and one piece of it is for some people it's the it's the relationship and sexual orientation piece that some people are more oriented towards polysexuality or non-monogamy and being confined in a monogamous container does not support their their sexual thriving. However, um, I think that should not be used as an excuse or and and or we also see that a lot of people you like live in serial monogamy these days, mm. right? You have a relationship and then you break up and then you have another relationship and then you break up and you have a, so that's a form of serial monogamy that has become very common these days because of the contract that till death do us part, that contract doesn't mm. like, it doesn't, it's not a contract anymore. It's, yeah. it's more a, um, I guess it's a wish. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's good like that's good and uh, it's I don't put a value I'm married but like you know there I, I don't uh, express any value or or opinion there but I think what happens to a lot of people especially women is that we grow up in a society where it's damned if you do damned if you don't right and so we we live our first year like we we grow up not having any sexual role models no sexual conscious supported guided sexual initiation sexual debuts are oftentimes negative mm. traumatic um there's no space to process ask adults gain insight learn about our bodies if you're lucky enough to be quite the adventurous type maybe even a bit rebellious depending on where you grew up you masturbate most women don't most women don't masturbate Mm -hmm. like statistically we know that right Mm -hmm. so most women have no grounded established foundational sexual relationship with themselves before, during, or after they become sexually active with uh, other people. Mm. So there's no foundation for you to feel like, oh, I am a sovereign sexual being. I am a sexual person. Sex and pleasure are for me. And then I choose to share with someone else. Right? And then you become sexually active. And if you're a woman, a heterosexual woman, and you're having sex with men, then you're conditioned to believe that their pleasure is more important than yours, that they take something from you when they have sex with you, that men are a sexual predator and you are the sexual prey. Most people, most women actually do, would probably identify as on the prey predator scale. Mm-hmm. Most women identify on the prey as a prey. 
sexually, societally in general, right? And it's not mm -hmm. true, but that's how you, what you learn. The good girl, be quiet, don't this, don't that, slut shaming, all of the things, all of the negative consequences that come, that could potentially come with being sexually active, expressive, even maybe a little bit sexual aggressive, taking what you want, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say now you're a young woman and you're starting to, you know, get out there in life and do your thing. Maybe you have some casual sex, but all of these things that you grew up learning are still deeply embedded in your subconscious and your psyche and your body. And still there hasn't been that conscious sexual like initiation into womanhood like now you're a woman or this is what a young woman's sexuality could potentially look like look here are some role models like here are some archetypes of what you could you could choose from like what what which uniform would you like to wear like you know like mm -hmm. there's absolutely no conversation around that mm. and then you fall in love and you marry and you have kids uh, well no let's you fall in love maybe you marry or you choose a long a life partner um, and you move in together and then boom, you meet all of the internal resistance, right? Because when you get over that honeymoon phase or you move through the honeymoon phase, then you start really operating from those deeper, more deeply embedded. Um, I like to call it like, um, like the operative system inside. Mm. Mm. Um and then there are some challenges with long-term relationships because arousal thrives when there's a balance between mystery and sex, uh, and um, safety. Esther Perel talks about this a lot. She has a book about it, Mating in Captivity. Um, she doesn't really offer a solution. She just explores the, the question. It's a fascinating book. But there's definitely a charge between... And, a, and, a, and a, you, uh, you have to figure out a balance between mystery and um and safety and uh and love right to find what works for you and then you become a mother maybe and and uh or you become pregnant and then all of a sudden it's like well now my body changes now I'm this vessel for a baby the madonna whore complex kind of starts rising in your internal um parts and pieces and little by little you actually subconsciously or completely unconsciously bury your sexual identity. You sever it from your identity. You become a mother. And then it's like, what? Mothers don't do that. Like, I'm not, like, that would be so inappropriate to have that kind of sexual appetite. Uh, you're exhausted. Your body's changed. Maybe you've gained weight. Your boobs are saggy. Your cell, your body's filled with fat where it never used to hold fat, and their cellulite. And you start to judge yourself. You're changing. You're aging. You look tired. You have bags under your eyes. Like there is no, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I am not a sexual person, and you completely immerse yourself into the mother identity. And in the mother identity, there's no space for erotic self. And so you feel like she's dead because you've killed her. Yeah. Right? And IP. <laughs> and it's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. But somewhere, slowly, 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 Along the, uh, like, uh, you know, and there are, of course, very, and then if you add some sexual trauma and some relationship trauma, like it gets even more complicated, right? But this is kind of what it looks like, the trajectory, the life trajectory from being mm. uh, a sexually open and innocent, carefree child who loves pleasure, who is feels excited and curious about her genitals to becoming a mother. Hmm. it's pretty tra tragic <laughs> but no. the thing is it's not because we can change this right so you can resuscitate your pussy am I allowed to say that word? yes uh, you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can resuscitate course. your sexual self and you can um revive that um that identity piece that is like, wow, I am in fact sexual. And you don't have to separate with your partner to do that. 
probably because usually what happens is when we get into a sexual rut we think oh it's our partner's fault and then we change partner and then we find ourselves in the same problem again and again and again and again and again um sometimes there is a mismatch sometimes it is you know you've chosen a partner for different you know other reasons than sexual attraction and they're genuinely isn't any sexual attraction and so changing partners could solve for that but most of the times it's not a partner issue it's an internal issue around having uh really deeply embedded conditioning shame negative sexual experiences or this slow death of your sexual self Mm -hmm. as you grow and age and become a woman because um because there is simply no one except me and some other sex coaches out there like teaching this work, right? Telling you, showing you, guiding you, inspiring you to feel like, hey, when I'm 40 or 50, my sex life can be the best it's ever been. I'm the oldest I've ever been. And I have one. Of, I had one of my best orgasms last night. Yes. But I have to. Yes. Like that. But you have to. And I still like, I I still notice how I'm up against shame and guilt and this like idea in my mind, like there's a part of my brain that says, really, should we not, should we really have sex now? Like, what about the laundry or what about this or what about that? And what, you know, the kids are at my grandparents, that their grandparents, shouldn't we, you know, take care of all those things that we need to, and you have to say, fuck it. I deserve to experience pleasure. Mm. Oh, wow. There's just so much in there. And I know for sure that there's there's just going to be so many people that are really into just everything that you've just said, Erica. Um, because I know because so many people reach out to me and say to me about it as well. So do you believe then no matter like where you are in life, if you are naturally a sexual being that you can get it back even if it's been sort of 10 years or so you can 100 back for sure yes yeah. yes that gives so many people hope I yes. love that how do they how do they start then Erica yeah that's a good question <laughs> so gently slowly I would say if you feel like your pussy's in a coma and you haven't touched her for a long time or you haven't felt any sexual or sensual pleasure in a long time, you haven't had sex with your partner in a long time, don't start thinking that you need to have intercourse Mm. or don't start, you know, putting pressure on yourself to have experience wetness, for example, you know, because you're setting yourself up for failure and then you become the perpetrator right instead of society like pushing and pressuring you you become the in perpetrator pushing and pressuring yourself and you mm. don't want to do that um so i would start with sensual pleasure now what did what is that like basically everyday non-guilt like everyday guilt-free pleasure mm. what does that mean to you well it could be listening to your favorite music in the car and singing out loud. Mm. When you do it, allow yourself to feel pleasure. Mm. It could be when you take a shower, you stroke yourself with kindness and gentleness and allow yourself to feel maybe a tiny bit of pleasure from self-touch. Completely non-sexual. It can feel completely platonic with yourself in a way. Uh, you basically enter a state of pleasure through the different senses, sense of sight, look at something beautiful, the landscape, or a piece of art, or your kids, or whatever, something that you find beautiful, Mm -hmm. and and derive a sense of pleasure from that. So sense of sight, hearing, touch, taste, or smell. Mm -hmm. Little by little, give yourself the experience of having pleasure without guilt. If you feel the guilt, you're like, hey, this is interesting. I feel guilt. Wow. Isn't that funny? Hello, guilt. Please come again. Cause you know it will. So you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So more like making friends with those parts of ourselves, isn't it? And it's I guess it's seeing or, or feeling into all of our emotions and rather than maybe trying to suppress them. Because I guess as soon as you maybe feel guilt or shame, you'll stop. Yeah. And then you won't go back to it. 
So it's yes. just that little bit. And and again, like you said, hi girl, because you know it's gonna it'll see you soon, right? So then it, yeah. it, it we're not attaching anything to it. Yeah. Still living. Yeah. And titrating that experience. So little by little, noticing that, wow, if I listen to music, if I dance in my living room and allow myself to feel this good, I notice that I feel guilt or shame or I feel like, you know, or maybe a memory comes up of when you did that when you were little and your mom told you, don't do that. Or someone at school said, Mm -hmm you know, made fun of you for being happy or a partner shamed you for how your body moved and, you know, a shitty old ex-boyfriend or something or mean girls or whatever. And so you can, you can identify where it's coming from, but you also don't have to. No, you don't need to know where it's coming from in order to process it. So titrate the experience a little by little pleasure and notice what comes up, shame, guilt, whatever it is, complex feelings. And then little by little from the periphery, from the periphery of your senses, start moving in towards the core. So maybe you start giving yourself sensual massage every now and then. Stroke your breasts, for example. Start moving towards the erogenous zones. And little by little, step by step, move towards um your genitals and your actual like sexual like epicenter um, and notice where where you meet the blockages and what blockages you meet and journal on it and welcome it. And because that's the thing when we, um, and I tell this to my clients and course participants all the time, when you start doing conscious pleasure practices and healing practices, don't expect to feel good. You'll feel shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not going to feel pleasurable. I'm sorry. Like that's the destination, but the path mm-hmm. towards it is going to feel bumpy. And what you're going to meet first inevitably are all the blockages and all the messy stuff and the emotional baggage and all of that stuff. So welcome that and see that as a natural part of the process and the same with goes with your partner you know if you're in a long-term relationship when you start engaging in intimacy again it's going to feel really uncomfortable or challenging and so you just have to sit with that but for everyone who's like uh, experiencing that you haven't had sex for a really long time or your sexuality is dead I say I would say the 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 most important thing for you especially if you're a woman is to reconnect reestablish and maybe create for the very first time that foundation of feeling like I am sexual, period, individually on my own, without giving or taking from anyone else. I am sexual with and within myself. I am my own first important lover. I give myself pleasure. And starting from there is is absolutely so key. Yeah. So empowering. And mm. and so so rewarding as well. I love that, and it's almost really when I I talk about sort of the true essence of self love. It isn't just you know bubble baths and and putting oh, no. on some makeup. You know, it is actually the the reconnection to the self, like the, leaning into all parts of ourself and loving all parts of herself um and and sex and intimacy is a huge thing I know like for sure when we have those emotions and feelings coming through us with, with orgasm and things I, I for sure like manifest really quickly in that space everything feels I see things differently I feel things differently honestly like colors are brighter it feels when we're in that high pleasure zone and state everything feels much easier but there is so much resistance to get there I honestly like on a personal level I know I dip in and out of it and I have to I have to remind myself right I need to practice self-pleasure you know even if it's like as you said if it's dancing and really going slowly and, and moving much more in that feminine space my I was going to say my natural, that's wrong. I was going to say my natural state. My go-to 
for ease for me, which is a safety thing, is the masculine because it feels like I can yeah. protect myself. And I, I, but I notice when I'm doing it, as I said before, you know, at 42, this has probably been my most challenging thing is to keep coming back to that part of, you know, this works still, you know, this works and having to remind myself. So it's, whilst it sounds like, oh, you know, that sounds easy. It's not always easy for people when they've been in maybe a state for, you know, 20, 30 years of being in that protection safety, because it always felt safer for me to be in the masculine. Oh, 100%. And one of the me, like there are three components to experiencing pleasure and orgasm. It's safety, love, and belonging. Um, safety is a big one. And so a lot of women experience that sex is something that happens to them, right? Or that sex is something that is, when having sex, something is taken away from them. Um, and so if that's where you operate from, if that's the belief system you have, then if you're a tired mother of two, you're, you know, you're 45, your body's changing, uh, you feel like society, you know, life is hard. And it is. Adulting is hard, right? And then plus, here comes your partner with his motherfucking penis trying to take something from you. You're like, get the fuck away from me. Like, I can't. <laughs> I can't even, right? Mm. You're like, here's another person who's going to rob me of something, take something from me, yeah. intrude, right? Into yeah. my space. Mm. And so that breeds resentment, right? Towards a partner. Um, however, and I, like, I still catch my brain, like I've, right? So I have to consciously work on this. Um, so there are two parts to this that I just want to say this thing about changing your belief system that sex is for me, pleasure is for me, even mm -hmm. when I give pleasure to someone else, oral sex or whatever, it's for me. Yeah. That can have a massive impact on how you feel safe and even available, open mm -hmm. to the possibility to engage sexually with a partner. Mm, um yeah it's so interesting and in your relationship with the, with your partner you can even say like hey i've noticed that i have this belief system that you you take something from me and it's just for you and i feel like i am just this submissive person or like this mm. means to an end for you to have your pleasure to have your orgasm and i feel like there's nothing in it for me when we have sex or when we start being sensual or romantic with each other now can you just like over and over again, remind me that this is for me or tell me that I'm safe. When I worked, I worked, I think it was six months to a year that I specifically worked on unlocking my G-spot pleasure and have squirting orgasms. It was a goal and I worked mm -hmm. on it for a long time. I would, uh, and safety was a big key for me there. I would tell my partner to whisper in my ear when we were making love or fucking, uh, tell me I'm safe. And he would repeat over and over again, you're safe, you're safe. This is for you. Open, surrender. Give yourself like, you're safe, you're safe. I respect you. And even, even now, like I I'm a mother, I have one kid. Um, I have a, a, like, I lean towards BDSM and like pretty like kinky sexual mm -hmm. practices. That's my flavor. And after becoming a mother, I noticed that there's been a contraction inside of me around that because surely it's not respectable. <laughs> you know, it's not respectable behavior. Right. But in the bedroom, you know, because of the context, it's, it's, it's okay, but yeah. I find my brain. Right. And so find my brain contracting around it and so I'll, I'll ask my partner sometimes when we have sex my husband you know I tell him you know will you still respect me after this you know if you do this to me if we do this sexually will you still respect me as a as the mother of your 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 child and your your wife and he's like are you fucking kidding me I respect you more right oh my god um, I do I'm so here going major respect for you for that yeah right <laughs> and sometimes you just need your partner to say it or you need to say it to yourself um and that can be a you can incorporate that into foreplay you can make that you can eroticize it you can create sexual fantasies around it and so it, it's so powerful. Words are so powerful. And so you can use that to your advantage in your sexuality. Now, the other thing that I wanted to say around this is we 
um, sex is not spontaneous. And so we think because it is this natural thing and because we ex have experienced sexuality as very spontaneous before we became, you know, 10, 15 or even two, five years into a relationship and now they're kids and responsibilities, we operate from this idea that sex should be spontaneous. I should be spontaneously aroused. I should experience spontaneous wetness. Um, and, and, and if you believe that you're setting yourself up for failure because sex is far from spontaneous, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's an act. Arousal is, is basically an act of anticipation um, and so just like we can anticipate food, like think about a food that you love now for me, usually it's mm. croissants, but, um, <laughs> if I think about croissants, I'll notice I start sal uh -huh. salivating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's basically your brain telling your mouth, you know, creating lubrication in your mouth so that you can have experience. <laughs> You know, it's the same with your pussy or your genitals. You need to think about it, anticipate it, fantasize about it, create positive, um, positive anticipation, yeah. supportive thoughts. If you want to have sex on Friday, you need to think about it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wow. Oh my gosh. No one, I've never heard that. And I have watched yeah. a lot and listened to a lot. And what you've just said is amazing because yeah. I think that's a big thing. You know, when... In the beginning of a relationship, you are aroused a lot. You don't really need to think about it so much. No, stop. You're thinking about it all the time. Ah, yes, you are. You are. You, you are. are, right? You know, what underwear am I going to wear? When am I going to wax? When I'm going to shave? What am I going to, what lipstick? How am I going to wear my, you know, if you're having, if you have a date on Friday night, you talk about your friends with, you know, you talk mm. about it all the time. You think about it. You're constantly ruminating about the sex you'll mm. have and the anticipation and the foreplay and what you'll wear and how you're going to walk. And, oh, and you're like constantly you're thinking on about edge, it. right? Because you're, you're thinking about it. a lot. Mm. Yeah. And then you become long, you know, you move in together and you stop thinking about it. You literally yeah. never think about sex anymore because you think it's spontaneous. And also because you already know who you're going to have sex with, because that's like the agreement. And so this idea of like captivity, right? That's where the captivity comes in. Mm -hmm. Your pussy, your genitals feel like they're in captivity. Like there's no there's no anticipation, there's no chase, there's no flirting, there's no conquering, there's no, there's no game. You've completely erased the game. And so for partners who don't have lots of trauma or deep conditioning, and it's just like, you can't get aroused, you need to inject game. Like you really need to reintroduce game into it. Now, what that looks like is very different and unique to each individual couple, depending on your history, your sexual match, your eroticism, your fantasies, all of that stuff. Um, but um, it's a game changer. It is, isn't it? Oh my gosh. So much of what you've just said. I've had like little light bulbs going off in my head because yeah. what, what can happen again, you, you think, well, why, why was it so good for the first few years? Why did it just go? Why is there no spark there anymore? Why don't I feel that? Oh, I want to like, I want to just have like really hot sex with this person anymore. And I guess what you've said is there's no sort of, it's the game, you yeah. know, it's quite predictable or, yeah. So we and really do need women, to challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for women, they've done research on this uh, in the last few years, mapping out the um, kind of arousal pathway for women. And actually women tend to need a lot more novelty than men. Yeah. And also, and maybe this is, you know, it's hard to know if it's nature or nurture, you know, um, but also historically when you got married, it doesn't matter if you're married or not, if you just, if you live together, there is this idea then that it's, it's part of the deal, right? Like, and that is such uh, a libido killer feeling like it's your obligation, having sex from obligation. There is, it's, it's just such a big libido killer. It's such mm. a turnoff, right? 
And so if you remove the game and you just feel like it's so predictable and there's no flirtation, no, none of that, you know, magnetic exchange and, and build up towards having sex, then it becomes, uh, it, it becomes obligation based. Right. And that is, and that's and that a killer. That is a killer. Yeah. Because there's no real turn on there. And then I think that what can happen is so many times we just do it because we think, oh, I better just do it. And again, doing it when you don't really want to do it. Yeah. That can be so damaging, right? If you're constantly yeah. saying, I'm just having sex. And I mean, I even hear it as a joke. I'll just, you know, five minutes and I'll just do it. I'll just think about something else. But actually, we can be doing a lot of damage to ourselves, right? If we're doing that consistently over time, because then we start to, you know, you know, as you say, our pussy isn't really ready for it, but we do it anyway. We switch off. We think about something else. But so many people can do that over years, Erica, and then there can be some trauma then in there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you do that over time, you will either emotionally and also kind of physically disassociate from that part of your body and just shut it down or numb out, or you can even develop um, pain. (sighs) So yeah, having sex Mm. when you do, but, but, and here's the tricky thing. So now when you want to start, so even I do this still, um, I've, I've known my partner for 20 years um, and we've been together now actively for eight or nine. I can't remember. We we were together and then we had a break and then we go back together. So we have a long history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that like immediate, like turn on, like incredible, like sexual response and horniness that has unfortunately decreased. And so mm-hmm. I've just got to, I, I want to be completely transparent and honest here. Mm-hmm. I, I have to work for it. You know, everyone yeah. has to work for it. It's something, it, it's like a kind of sexual fitness. You have to maintain it. Yeah. If you want to experience it, it sucks. Like we, I, I wish it was just a button. I wish it was easy, but if you live with a partner and, and you, you know, it just, it is, it, it is that. That's that's the kind of trade-off for having the love, the partnership, the safety, the security, the deep mm. emotional bonding. Like that's a trade-off. You have to work for the sexual peace. If you want to have hot, horny, spontaneous sex, then well, then you can be single or you can, you know, figure out a kind of open relationship, whatever, and kind of have yeah. that. Oh, um, Erica, I love that you just said that because no one's saying that. No, we're seeing yeah. that we're seeing all the images and hearing the people talking about oh that's hot, hot, hot. And then and people that are in long-term relationships are like, I don't, I don't feel like that. And then oh, I'm you know, my relationship's broken, and then they end it, and then they go to another relationship, and five years down the line, the same thing happens again, then it happens again, and it's like no one actually I've never heard someone saying what you've just said. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I hope this inspires other people to help them feel normal. You have to work for it. And so, and what do you do then? Well, now, you know, you encourage yourself to experience pleasure throughout your life so that you basically what, what you want to is you want to feel that you're at a sexual simmer so that when you go to have sex with your husband or partner, they don't, and it's not their responsibility to turn you on from zero. Right. Or even many women are frozen, like you're in the negatives. So you want to be like, if zero is not turned on and 10 is like, no, the point of no return orgasm, you want to be at a three or four. Yeah. Mm, I'm thinking about sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is your responsibility. And that's again, where the conditioning come in because we're, we're so disempowered sexually. Um, so it's not your fault. And it makes sense that you feel like it's it's the man's job or it's his responsibility to turn you on, but it isn't. He cannot. He can do his best, but he cannot. Yeah. So your brain is your biggest erogenous zone. So you have to think about sex, plan it, anticipate it, work with positive mindset, those kinds of things. And then on a physical level, 
connect with your senses, experience pleasure throughout the day in different forms. If possible, definitely self-pleasure and, and give yourself sexual pleasure and try and keep yourself at that simmer, plan sex, all of the things that we've talked about. And then one of the most important things when it comes to mindset is have faith that it works, right? Because if your um, fear of performance failure is not just a thing for men with erectile dysfunction, it's also for women's libido and turn on. So if you're constantly thinking, okay, I'm never going to get wet. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get turned on. Why am I having these thoughts? I'm not present. You are cock blocking yourself. Yes. <laughs> or pussy blocking, but like you are literally <laughs> shutting, shutting down your system, right? Mm. You have to have faith in this on Monday, when you're thinking about Friday, you have to have faith. I trust my body. I trust that I will feel some pleasure. I have to do this in foreplay with my husband. Mm. I have to believe that my body will respond. I have to believe that there will be wetness, that I will be turned on, that I will have an orgasm. This is even more true for people who have um, orgasm issues. And I know because I used to have all of them. Uh, I mean, all of the orgasm issues, none of the, none of the orgasms. Wow. And now I have orgasms. And so it's a mindset um, thing of really believing that my body will respond if I stay present and I experience my body, I tap into the sensations, I stay here in the experience and that can be really challenging, right? But that is, that is, that is the objection, yeah. objective then yeah. you might be surprised mm. that your body's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. thank you. Actually, I will respond if you just shut up, bitch. And like, <laughs> shut up, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like if, you, if your brain will actually yeah, shut the, up. Because it's the mind, right? So when you said stay in the experience, so when there's almost... The, the mind may say, oh, you don't want to, you know, this isn't right. You don't, and all the chatter that starts to go on. So you, it's, it's almost being like, right, mind, this is not truth. And staying yeah. in that experience of safety, you are safe, you are safe. I love that. Safety is one of my core values. It's huge yeah. for me. So I need to feel safe. So it's almost that building it up, safety, you know, safe, 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 safe. And having that conversation with your partner and, and, you know, it's vulnerable, but if they are aware, then, you know, they can support, hopefully, through that experience. Because they want it too, right? I'm sure. (laughs) And then the, it's so true what you say. And then the most effective way to um, quiet your brain is not to go to war with it and tell it to shut up, Mm -hmm. but it's to... um, as much as possible, drop into the physical somatic experience. So follow the sensations, follow what feels good, wherever there is a sense of positivity or warmth or tiny little fireworks inside your pussy or tiny sensations of pleasure that build, follow the sensations, stalk the sensations inside your body because they will lead you to pleasure. Your brain will not take you there. The sensations will. But if we get stuck in the brain, we'll get stuck in the in the, um, either the intrusive thoughts, because most people have intrusive, if you have sexual conditioning, you'll have intrusive thoughts, like Mm. whatever. Um, or the, the negative, um, thought patterns that are just repeating on loop. Mm. Um, and the way to get out of it is to connect with your body. Um, and so feeling ask for things that feels good. So if your partner does something that doesn't feel good, then then guide them, give them direction, and then stay in the stay in the experience. Um, mm. And lastly, what I want to say: so we we started talking about um, sexuality and aging, and then we've talked about so many other amazing things. So I just want to circle yeah. back to that because one thing that also happens when we age is that we we believe because this is what we see in media and in movies and in the, in basically all images of sexuality um, in society, it's all about uh, young people. So I would say people like in their twenties, basically paradise hotel, all these different media, like Mm -hmm. docu shows 
series. It's all about the young, beautiful, skinny, oftentimes white people with the perfect bodies and no mm-hmm. signs of, you know, abnormalities or aging or, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. Like able-bodied, beautiful, like traditional, like stereotypically beautiful people. Um, and so as you become older and your body changes and maybe you were beautiful and were beautiful, you know what Mm, I mean? Yeah. Maybe you fit into that category, but now you don't anymore. Then Mm. that's something that you have to grieve (laughs) and have to let go of, uh, or you can try and chase it forever and, you know, Mm. up to you. Um, and if you never identified or like fit into that stereotypical kind of beauty narrative that we have, ideal beauty, it always changes. So, I mean, it's a lose-lose game anyways, because of what's beautiful is is subjective yeah. um, and people with money decide, right? Um, and But if you never fit into it, but you're still like aging and your body's changing, you're gaining weight, you're losing weight, things like that. Um, it's a thing to look at your body and be like, I am sexual regardless. I am worthy of pleasure regardless. Pleasure doesn't discriminate, right? Uh, It does not. Your pleasure, your sexuality doesn't give a shit. It doesn't know external looks. It just knows an internal feeling. Mm. And so when it comes to youth, youth is so overrated and, and especially young sexuality youthful sexuality is really overrated especially for women because it takes time to mature and grow and uh and figure out what you like and what you don't like so oftentimes like the the worst sex you had is when you were in your teens and 20s um but if if you're not having sex, probably that's the best sex you have. Like if you're in your forties now and you're not having sex, you're probably thinking back towards your twenties and you're like, yeah. that's the best sex of my life because I'm not having sex. But I invite you, I, I challenge you to believe me that that's the worst sex of your life. The best sex of your life is ahead of you because as you mature as a person, as a woman, as a human, so does your sexuality mature as well. And a woman's sexual peak is in her 60s, 50s, 60s. Wow. Yeah. And, and so there's that. But youth is overrated, but youthfulness isn't, right? There's a difference. And so when it comes to like the, the, um, the, the mystical and the ancient Eastern traditions teach this, Buddhism meditation teach this, that there is an there is a feeling of aliveness of of vitality and youthfulness inside your body in the inner body that you can tap into in meditation and in stillness it's always there and it never changes doesn't matter if you're 90 or 9 years old or 50 or even if you're sick or healthy it doesn't matter there's an a vitality a vibration inside your cells in your body that feels the same it does not age mm-hmm. and it's the same with your sexuality because it's an energy, it's an experience inside. And so your external, the vessel, your body will change and age and decay and get wrinkly and saggy and loose. And it's supposed to, because it's, there's a, it's supposed to, right? We're mortal, but your feeling inside has more of an immortal quality and same. It's the same with your sexuality. And so if you can, for a moment, just accept that sex and sexiness and erotic eroticism and attraction and sexual expression and orgasms and all of those things are separated from this idea that it has to look beautiful or that it has to be um, that it's connected to being young and, and like to youth and your former self as a young person, then you liberate yourself from this kind of, very limiting idea and 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 very judgmental way of looking at your body and you're like wow my body is capable of more amazing things and it doesn't matter if I don't look young or beautiful or whatever I can tap into that and my body will reward me with the best sex of my life okay cool I'll go with that yeah oh wow that is just absolutely mind-blowing in such a good way and 
I've never, um, again, you, you're giving me so many moments here. I've never heard that. <laughs> I've never heard yeah. that either. Right? So it's so wild, isn't it? We just de- deprive ourselves so much. We, we get do. to an age and we're like, oh, that's it now. I'm done now. I'll just kind of move yeah. on to something else. But actually, we can have it all if we allow ourselves to go in. I love the way you explained that, Erica. Wow, so amazing. You have so much wisdom and it's so relatable. And I love everything that you said about your partner and that it does require effort. You know, when we're looking at magazines and we're seeing people, we're like, oh, uh, that's not me. So, well, I'm broken then. I must yeah. be, you know, I love stop it. Stop consuming. Yes. Yeah, stop consuming bullshit media that feeds you with stuff that does not serve you (laughs) yes instead we need to come and listen to you Erica (laughs) yes or just go masturbate (laughs) you know like you don't you don't even have to spend any money on it like you know I have also I have so much free stuff so if you feel called you 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 can do a lot of stuff for free um, and feel like this is not again something like like it's it doesn't have to feel so complicated and expensive and all of that. Of course, I also have courses and all of that stuff too. So if you want to dive deeper, but still, it's like stop consuming stuff that makes you feel bad. Stop looking at young people and like crave youth. Mm, yeah, crave to be sure. young again. Yeah, um, I know, I know, and I've done it myself. Look, oh, I wish I could go back to the nineties. You know, in the early noughties when I had not not a kid in the world and could do what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, things change, don't they? So things oh change. my goodness. And it feels better to be an adult if you're having orgasms. It feels mm. better to be like I oftentimes say, um, well, I always say pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood, mm. especially pregnancy and childbirth are an extension of your sexuality because they literally are. And motherhood gets better if you're having good sex and orgasms. So true. So true. true. Wow. Oh, I just could talk to you all day and I know we're going to have to wrap up, but I just wanted to get you back on again because you're amazing. Um, Erica, you mentioned that you've got some free content and you also have courses. What is the best way for people to reach out and either connect with you, work with you? What's the best way? I have a really beautiful, super informative, super inspirational Instagram account. So mm-hmm. it's my name, Erica Alsborn. I'm usually shadow banned on Instagram. <laughs> so you have to type my full, like the full handle. Yeah. I'm sure you'll put it in the yeah. in the show notes here, Jill. Of course um, I will. But so Instagram, I have a Facebook group called Pleasure Rebels, uh, mm. where there are um thousands of women who um, talk about sex and inspire each other and normalize the conversation. And I, I have um, amazing resources in there, recorded lives that I've done on different topics. And then I also have um, a podcast. So um, it's coming out. I'm launching yes. it in a couple of weeks. So maybe by the time you listen to this, it is out there in the <sighs> ether and you can find it. And it's called Yes, Please. Um, yes. yes, please. I can't wait to exactly. hear this. Right? um and then yeah I have different courses um at different price points one-on-one coaching um and so if you find me on any of the places that I've just mentioned you'll also um hear about the courses and like Jill said at the beginning I have a really nice newsletter so if you go to my Instagram or my website or any place you can sign up for my newsletter where I send out a weekly newsletter and very often free practices and gifts and things like that. Mm. Because, um, yeah, I'm really committed to resuscitating all those pussies out there. Yes, <laughs> I love it. And you're helping so many women. And I know that yes. there's, you know, it's just that finding that that person that you can relate to. I've followed quite a few people. You're definitely one that I... I felt um, safe. There's the word, the safety and the connection. And, you know, um, so you're doing amazing work, Erica. Please keep doing what you're doing because it it literally is changing lives. Thank you. Thank you. I promise. Thank you. (laughs) 